Thank you so much for joining me today, James. How are you? Uh, well, I'm as good as can be expected under the circumstances. You will forgive the uh, the bags under my eyes right now, but I've literally spent all weekend dealing with the latest censorship uh, shenanigans. And I would like to use a different word to describe them, one that rhymes with truckery, but A, that wouldn't alliterate so well, and B, we have sensitive ears listening. I'm sure there are a lot of eight-year-olds in the crowd, so we'll keep it family-friendly. It is a family-friendly show. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just for those that don't understand what I was just talking about, just to start this off, because one thing we're going to get into is what just happened with James Corbett. You're all, mostly all aware, I'm sure, with what happened with me with Patreon. So for those that don't know, I wanted to bring on James to, to show you, and you know, I, I personally think I do a good job in regard to sourcing my material, but I, there is nobody, in my opinion, that is close to what James Corbett does in the way he cites and sources his material and is just explicit. And to see him censored for being misinformation, fake news, debunked theories, it just made me laugh out loud. So I wanted to have him on to talk about that. So right now we were about to go live and YouTube, regardless of what I did, is for that's why if you're watching this on YouTube, it has a wrong title. It should This should be entitled James Corbett Interview. COVID-19 censorship, technocracy, and the amazing country of digital gulag. And we'll get into why that's the title today. But anyway, it's just, it's funny to see that happening right now on this scenario. So to start off today, James, what, what just happened to you with Patreon? Let us know, you know, maybe for a little bit of backstory for those that aren't familiar with you, I'm sure there's not many in the chat, but what you've already seen in regard to censorship, but primarily Patreon and how that all went and what that showed you about where this is going. Yeah, well, YouTube censorship is uh, is another topic, but um, but yes, with regards to Patreon, I actually only got on Patreon in 2016, which was relatively late. Uh, I think a lot of people had already set up their Patreon by that point, but I, I decided, well, it's another way to help people support me, and I know a lot of people have problems with PayPal, and rightfully so. PayPal is a horrible, evil international corporation that does terrible things and has censored people in the past, so... I'm I'm not on board with supporting them. So anything that I can do to help people circumvent one evil international banking connected corporation, great. Well, <laughs> well Patreon, what could go wrong? So for the last nearly five years, uh, I was I've been on Patreon, and it functions exactly like my membership in any other regard or capacity, or no matter where you sign up, you support me via that that method, and I will send you login details for my website. So. Let me clarify this, first of all, for some people who are saying, well, James, uh, yeah, Patreon wants you to censor your content now. Why don't you just censor it on Patreon? It's backed up elsewhere. It'll be fine. Right. People don't understand what's going on here because here's the number one thing. I have never posted a thing to Patreon. Not once, ever, nothing, absolutely no post ever. <laughs> it is just a front page for people to sign up and I will send you a link to my website so you can log in. That's all it is and that's all it's ever been. I have zero content of any sort on Patreon, but it must have been a few weeks ago now. I got an email to the effect of, or maybe a couple weeks, it wasn't really that long ago. I got an email to the effect of, uh, we have identified that uh, some COVID misinf related misinformation. I can't remember the exact wording. I should probably look it up um, for you. I'm, I'm going and keep going. I'm looking for Whitney's email that has the similar same wording. Yeah, it, it's very, very similar. I, I've seen Whitney's uh, email and it's very, very similar. Um, but, but hers didn't have any examples. Right. Uh, mine had three. Uh, they, I, I don't, I don't know if the ellipses was implied here. Um, I'm assuming it was, but they, at any rate, they specifically linked three, um, two of which were YouTube videos, uh, New World Next Week videos that huh. they said contained COVID misinformation. All right. Wow. What? Misinformation? Um, one was a bit shoot link to the future of vaccines, which was episode 392 of my podcast that was taken down off of YouTube. So they couldn't provide a YouTube link for that one. So they provided the BitChute link for that one. Now, the thing that I find interesting about this, and I'm going to, here's the thing. I haven't even replied. I haven't even opened their email. Really? I, I've I've just read it. I haven't gone into the site. I haven't done anything. I haven't even replied to it because I don't care. I am so out of there. <laughs> but I am going to have to reply just to ask them. I'm sure they're not going to tell me, but I just want to know how exactly how did these videos come to their attention? Because again, it is not linked from Patreon in any way, shape, or form. It has nothing to do with Patreon. Right. It's on my YouTube account. It's on my BitChute account. Someone had to have manually flagged these videos. And I want to know, was it someone 
who, you know, some snitch who writes in, I think this guy's got COVID misinformation. Or is Patreon actively employing people right. to start trolling through people's social media feeds to look for this kind of information? I don't know. There's some, there's an interesting story going on here that's, that that's I'm sure I, they'll never tell us, right? That's what I think. And I think it's pretty made pretty plainly clear by the fact that they state on all of them that, oh, it's because of this policy update and they link it, right? Policy update. And so clearly they made the choice to update the policy, I would argue because of external pressure. The same thing we're seeing on DLive and different platforms where you got these people putting their thumb on the you know payment gateway going, well, we're going to pull this if you don't censor them. You know, and I, I honestly just gave DLive a really hard time on my show just now because they just gave me a notice that said, you cannot, you know, we're going to manually put your show on X tag so you can't make any money. And it, it's, it's, I get it. They're being put pressured, but it's still really frustrating to see the people that are bowing to that pressure. But back to your point, the, it's real. I, I frustratingly can't find Whitney's email, but Pete, everyone saw this in the past show. It, this is what I really find the most incredible. So not only, I mean, Whitney's a little different as she does post content on there, but there, there's their examples that they did follow up and give her after the fact were all unlimited hangout. So I don't understand how in the world these platforms think they have the right to dictate what you can post on alternate, like not Patreon platforms. But here's the thing they're saying in regard to her, it's be, and they state this. It's because this was funded by Patreon. Now tell me, how in the world would they possibly know how that money is being spent? <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah, because all I get is Patreon. No, I have right. other ways people That's can it. support it's me, right? Hubris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got the uh, the email up now. So it, it specifically okay. says, following our policy update concerning medical misinformation, Patreon can no longer support accounts that repeatedly use unfounded or debunked theories to argue against broadly supported public health measures mm. on COVID-19. So again, you cannot say anything uh, to even question any of the pronouncements on vaccines or anything else. Uh, I took a look and reviewed your creator page today, which is interesting because as I say, there is yeah. nothing on my creator page. In order to bring your page back within our guidelines, kindly review and remove any and all content that advances COVID-19 medical misinformation. Additionally, since our guidelines extend, see, this is boilerplate because again, there's literally nothing on my page, but they do say, additionally, since our guidelines extend to any projects that you fund via Patreon, this means that online content linked to your creator page wow. is subject to our guidelines. And then it lists the three videos that I talked about there. So they're asking you to physically, to you for, for you to remove your content from your website yep. that has no connection to Patreon other than the fact that you use that platform independently of your website. Actually, yeah, and, and it is an implied ellipsis because they say, please refer to the examples below of the mm. type content mm, longer supportable through patreon <laughs> you've even got typos in their boilerplate but anyway yeah and then they list those three but clearly it's like dot 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 and anything right. else that we that goes again i mean again how am i yeah. am i like do they really think i'm gonna be following up with them okay i've deleted those ones what else should i delete guys <laughs> the point, right? <laughs> oh. this is what i did with my with the person in my exchange and i showed this on my show is that at first i was the same i'm look i'm like i am in no way will i ever no matter what self-censor let's make that clear and they still go hey did you get a chance to do that you know it's like <laughs> it's like no man i just said are you confused like i'm not gonna do this but I, it's a bot. It's a bot. It is. It is. And that's why I laugh about the typos too. But I, I, I basically put it to them to see how they would respond. And I said, okay, you know what? I, how about you, if you just give me a list, I'll go through and let's get this solved, you know? And, but, but I was like, but I need a full list because I'm not going to guess. And I went through the whole process and they sent me a couple of them. And the point is they will never actually do that because the ob the objective is not to let you be like, oh, here you go. Now I'm good. Right. It's about you, James Corbett. You are not the, what they want on there because, you know, whatever reason. And it's just really incredible, you know, and I think this is a huge step where they're saying that they have control over your personal life, your personal website. And this is just a quick extrapolation out to just anything everywhere. You know, yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even OK, this is what we do. So this is not surprising in the least to me. Right. I'm sure it's not surprising to you. But yeah, think about that for anyone on the Patreon platform. Anything that you have linked to your social media or anything like that, you retweeted someone who said something that goes against the whatever could be the reason that they suspend your Patreon and 
just like that, you know, however much money you were receiving out of that, gone. They know that they have you by the cojones when they're doing this. And that's yeah. why I'm, I'm sure they are expecting a lot of people to comply with this. Clearly not people like you and me, but people who are not all the way into doing this, people right. who are just kind of peripherally related to it. It's creating a new outcast in society, a new, a new class of people that are going to become the untouchables of the yeah. future digital gulag society. Right. Um, and I mean, it, it, and a couple more points on this specifically before we actually get into that exact topic it is the, the how, th from a legal perspective, how in the world can they s dictate, not, not let alone on your other website, but paywalled content? Right. So, for instance, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm not giving anything away. All my content is free everywhere else anyway. And they all know that it's behind a paywall. So they have that mechanism by which to support me if they want to. But it's behind a paywall. So pay, the Patreon is saying they can control what these people are paying to see behind a paywall. And that's just, again, it's just really incredible unless you self-censor, which doesn't that imply, I mean, doesn't it imply that it's violating things on their, like, shouldn't they be obligated to remove that for everyone's safety? Right. Yeah, Why well, yeah, exactly. So what, yeah. How much are they saying that they are responsible for this? I mean, maybe we should sue them for our horrible content. I don't know. <laughs> um, look, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but that's not the tack I would take on this mm -hmm. because uh, fundamentally it's stupid. It's absolutely ridiculous. They are shooting themselves, not just in the foot, in the head with this mm -hmm. stupidity and hopefully they will die for the death of a million people unsubscribing and never using their services again as a result of this. But Patreon is not obligated to be a service for anyone and everyone. No, of course, they they own their servers, they own their infrastructure, they set it up, they can dictate absolutely any ridiculous, stupid, insane policy they want. Only people who eat green apples on Wednesdays can use our service. All right, okay, I'll never use your service, but you have fun with that, go ahead. That's the real response to this, not sort of like, oh, maybe there's a way we can sue them to make them allow, uh, right. allow them, uh, they will have to allow us on their platform. Yes, please let us on your controlled platform. That's not the, the kind of cap in hand. Totally uh, agree. Totally mind. agree. And you see what I what I often do, and I, I've taken this as a kind of a this. I tend to do this quite often on my show. Is I I try to operate and argue from within their narrative, and even show that even within their narrative that you can show they're contradicting themselves. But I'm right with you. I mean, at this point, I don't. Even, I I kind of just flat out state it. I wouldn't. I, I'm not going to go back to Patreon. I don't care what they did. No, exactly. If they unsuspended my account now, yes. I I would delete my page. That's the yes. only way I would delete my page is if they unsuspended yeah. my account. I'm like, okay, you show what you are going to do exactly. I'm out. exactly agree exactly and see and this is what a lot of people don't understand to your first point is they just go well just do it man just to get back and this is a compliance mode you know when you do this you're 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 saying i'm okay to a degree to work within this broken system and that's yeah. what we need to show people is we're not okay thousand percent i'm so glad that you are saying that because that is absolutely what i feel and i uh, I get strategically why people mm. say, oh, you should just delete this one and you got backups. It's okay. It'll be, I, I understand where they're coming from strategically, but no, this isn't a strategic fight. This is the fight. This is what we are living through right now. Not just in terms of the censorship, but that is clearly one part of it. But what we are living through right now is the reason I started doing all of this. This is exactly what I have been warning about for 14 years. So if now I start compromising and, uh -huh. oh, I'll delete a thing here. I'll use a special code word. I won't say the word coronavirus or whatever. I'll do whatever. I'll just so that I can stay on their controlled platforms a little longer. If I start doing that, then that that's exactly why I started doing this is so that I don't end right. up goose stepping into this future. Right. Uh, I cannot stress enough exactly what you were saying. Yes. No, that is the compromise. That is the compromise. And once you start going down that path, it's over. It's over. We have to say no fully, 100% foot down. Absolutely no, uh, no way. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's it, I to, to, like you're saying, I do actually understand it. I always have people that are code wording and, you know, because there's an argument to be made about 
still trying to reach those people, which by the way, this whole process with Patreon and the way I'm looking at it, what we're talking about now, it has actually made me reevaluate whether or not I want to just completely leave YouTube altogether. Because my argument has always been, as I, I probably said to you before, is there is a, a purpose to still put it out there for those people that can't see past that. But it's like, I don't know, you know, this is feeling like all, you know, the cards are on the table at this point. Like this is the time. Yeah, I see both sides of that equation as well, because actually, um, at the beginning of the year, uh, as part of the, you know, 2021 changing the way I'm doing things, solutions focus, solutions watch, all of that. One of the things I was going to do is, okay, that's it. This is the last video to YouTube. Everything else will be on the alternative platforms or on my website. And I decided not to do that precisely because, well, I managed to reach a million people with the Gates documentary last right. year. You know, that's probably the last million that I'll ever get. But at any rate, I managed to reach people if I had given up, you know, a year or two ago on this platform, then I would not have reached all of those people in last year that I needed to reach. So maybe I'll continue doing it. And now I've done sort of the almost a 360 to end up yeah. at the point where, okay, now, no, I'm not going to stop posting videos to YouTube. Um, now that people want me to stop posting to YouTube, right. I'm getting a lot of people saying you should stop just to leave the channel up so that you can, you know, people will find you in the future kind of thing. And now I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to force this. I am yeah. going to continue posting exactly what I always would and would uh, without no edit. Second yeah. of thought to self-censoring anything. I'm going to exactly post exactly what I want to. And if they delete my, I actually almost in a perverse way, hope that they do delete right. the channel so That's that every single time someone comes across one of the links from some old article or something to a, here's James Corbett's big oil documentary, click on the link and you see YouTube, this channel has been deleted. I want people to viscerally feel that the, A, that the Library of Alexandria is on fire. The books are burning right now. I want them to experience and understand that. And B, I want them to associate that YouTube logo with th that hatred. They are the ones, they are the enemy that are doing this to you, or at least helping to do this. And uh, I, I want people to experience that. This is not a joke. This is not a game. This is absolutely why I am doing what I'm doing. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's all about getting, forcing their hand and making them expose themselves in the process. That's what I think with Patreon is so important, which I feel this last little part with Whitney, myself and you is really kind of driven that into the conversation that we're, you know, we're just, we're not going to passively quietly go, okay, fine. We're like very loudly. No, we're not going to do that. And it's, it's kind of making a statement there, you know, and that's really important which kind of brings us into to what this is becoming, right? And and this is, I, I read, you had an excellent article called the uh, the Digital Archipelago. Is that, or the digital, I, I should have had it up, silly me. Our digital <laughs> But it was an excellent, excellent article. I'll bring it up right now so you guys can see it. It really kind of, it just inspired a lot. Uh, you know, it's, it's exactly what I'm kind of, dancing around and discussing, but it, you really put a fine point on it in regard to where this is all going and how it is developing. And it's something that is very alarming, right? I mean, it is, it's a discussion of the, the panopticon, the digital prison that's being built around us without our knowledge. And it really just kind of brought up a lot of interesting questions. So what, first of all, what was it that, you know, what's your, what's your mindset behind this? And why, why, why do you see this as the almost inevitable future unless we do something? So this was my uh, most recent subscriber newsletter editorial that I wrote this or published this past weekend. And the uh, the interesting thing was this was not the editorial I was planning to publish this weekend. I had a different topic that I was working on and started to, to write. But something happened this past week that made me write this particular article. And the funny thing is that it was not you know, the second YouTube strike on my account that means one more strike and my channel will be deleted forever. It was not Patreon unpersoning me and making me uh, uh, have to scramble to try to provide other options for people subscribing to me. It was a trip to the post office. Literally, the most frightening and frustrating and horrifying thing that happened to me this past week was that I went to the post office here in Japan. So I guess the backstory to this is that last year, um, I had to suspend DVD sales on the website because I was sending DVDs out to the extent that I could. 
and they were being returned to me undelivered or or I would go to the post office with a bunch of DVDs and they'd be like, oh, sorry, we can't send to this country. We can't send to that country because, of course, COVID, oh, COVID disruptions. We can't send mail anymore. All this just nonsense. Which that I was don't going really on. understand, so, to be honest. I don't really understand great. why that makes sense. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I really don't know. I mean, I guess because you can't fly into certain other countries at this point because they got the borders closed or whatever. I really don't know. But anyway, they were telling me this. So it got to the point where I literally just couldn't fulfill DVD orders. So I had to suspend DVD sales. And throughout the year, I was last year, I was testing it every couple months. I'd go back and see, is it is it resolved? Is it is it OK now? Last Christmas, I tried to sell DVDs again. But again, a bunch of them didn't get through. A bunch of them got returned. So it's just been like that. So this year, for uh, the past few months, I've been kind of not consciously, but kind of subconsciously almost avoiding going to the post office because I just don't like it's just associated now with that frustration that I've been feeling. And and yeah, as you say, the kind of bizarreness of why, why is this like that's the thing, even if I was the normiest of normies, I would be questioning things like this, like how come I can't even send mail now? Like clearly there is something more fundamental going on here. Right. So this past week, I decided to test again. I was going to send something off to the US. And I go in in the way that I always do. I have um, I have envelopes here that I've already got pre-made with my little like return address and my customs and all of this on it. So I just have to print out a little sticker with the address on, stick it on, and go, right? Mm -hmm. Easy. This is this is the way mail works, right? You go to the post office, you get the postage, you send it, it's gone. So I did that. And uh, I was uh, I made sure to check, of course. Okay, so is mail going through to the US right now? Okay, yes. Okay, good. So I'll buy the postage for this. So they, they put it on the little scale to weigh it and all and go through all the rigmarole, print out the little postage stamp thing to put on the package. As he's putting it on the package, he stops and he goes, Oh, oh, sorry, sir. You can't, you can't send mail like this anymore. And I was like, what, what is that? What are you talking about? And so he, he gets, he sends me this flyer that I've got sitting around. Oh, it's over here. <laughs> so now in order to send mail, of course, you're not going to do it the normal old fashioned human way. No, 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 no. Now you have to use your smartphone or your desktop, of course, but you have to create an account and log in and you have to send them all the details of you know, the destination and the customs and everything. You have to do it electronically. Then you have to print out their special label on your printer. Or don't worry, if you don't have a printer handy, you can just put it on your smartphone and scan it when you go to the counter and then they'll print out the label for you. But you have to use that. You literally cannot stick your own address label on and send it anymore. No, no, no. Now you have to have a desktop or a smartphone in order to send a package. And I think this is only for package mail and it's only to certain countries like the US. But but there you go. Right. Um, so that right. moment was, I don't know why, but that was the most, one of the most chilling moments that kind of brought the whole crisis home to me uh, in a way that I wasn't expecting. I think it's because I was so blindsided by this. What on earth does this have to do with Corona? It has nothing to do with coronavirus. I think I, I'm, I haven't actually brought myself to read through this. I, I really don't think this even mentions coronavirus. Probably not. Anywhere on it. I think they were probably planning to do something like this anyway. Mm -hmm. This is just right. a convenient excuse to do it. And so that moment, I suddenly, I could see the future unfolding before me where literally nothing, nothing, nothing that we do will be possible without some sort of device, some sort of electronic device in order to do, uh, to do even the most basic thing like send a package to someone else. And if they can prevent you essentially from even sending mail to outside people because you're not online, Think about that. Literally, what our our sphere of human activity is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking down to almost nothing. And the only way to access that will be to have your digital identity, which of course for now is on your phone. But you know where this is heading. Do you think it's going to be on a physical device that you can carry and lose and get stolen? No, 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 no. Eventually, of course, it's going to have to go in your body. Right. You know where this is going. Which they've already been working on for... I mean, decades. I mean, it's it's not even secret. But it, this this is what I found so interesting about this part in general is that 
this is something that somebody like you or I, you know, would pick up on, but most people wouldn't. And then you even address this in the article. It's kind of like, well, it's just an app, James. Like, what's the big deal? But you have to stand back and see how one, all this is being rationalized and justified. And as you point out, it was something that was seemingly, I mean, this is most likely something that was planned long before this. I would argue even just kind of vaguely it's about you know less touching i guess or bringing things from other places but you're right it doesn't really make much sense when you really look at the whole thing but it, it's what i see and as what you see as well in this article is that it's it's building the first step into every part of your life going through something like this that needs to be that can be choked off checked controlled by whoever's in control of that stuff and as you as i'll read from here that you wrote this is what you basically just said is this, it all sprawled out before you. You said a future in which nothing, not even the simplest transaction at the post office could take place without a smartphone or electronic device. A future in which every single transaction is monitored in real time by the government. A future in which that government could at any time intervene and stop those transactions from taking place. And I don't know why this isn't something that anybody would be concerned about. Because we can pretend our governments are good people at the moment, but historically speaking, this is something that almost always comes to pass. And it's weird that we're in this state of, our society where we've been convinced that this one is the one that will be forever and it will go on in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine, just imagine if a bad person got into power sometime. Can you imagine what that would be like? I know, I know that's crazy conspiracy theorists, but let's just, let's just imagine if a bad person got these powers. It's, it's just insulting to our intelligence. I mean, because the idea is that they always say someone bad is in power on the other side, right? So it's just like back and exactly, forth. Exactly. If you were on team Pepsi and you just lived through the Trump administration, he was literally Hitler, right. literally Hitler. But, oh, whatever. Now we've got a good guy in power. So now anything is okay, right? It's the same absurd way that they're already covering something as simple as like the immigration discussion with children and going like, well, it's all good because Biden has a good heart. I've actually seen that argument on Twitter and I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> you no, I refuse to believe anyone made that argument un unironically. It, I, you, you would be surprised. I mean, I, I actually wouldn't it. really. <laughs> I watched them angrily defend it after people called them out. But you know, it's just it's 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 this is the kind of thing that is being abused. Is this willing this, you know, acquiescence to authority, just like, well, whatever you say is best because you're in control. But that's what I mean, even Biden's speech, that's what it was. Just do what we say, right? Just do what we say and you'll be fine. But this is what speaks to the point of the name of the article. As you said, you immediately thought of the opening chapter of the Gulag Archipelago. And and you, it's, you can get into that if you'd like and explain the backstory of that. But this is the idea of what we see building now. It's the digital Gulag. And the question that arises from this article that I thought was very relevant is, or not, maybe not the question, but so much as, you know, we have an opportunity now to do something to stop this from happening. And yet we're all watching it and going, well, it'll probably just pass us by, right? And that was kind of the focal point there. But if you'd like to speak more on that, I find that to be very, very important to where we are right now. Yeah. So I was tying this back to the Gulag Archipelago, which is, oh, of course, me. Alexander Solzhenitsyn's um, account of the internment camp system, the forced labor camp system in Soviet Union, which is referred to in English as the gulags is just the camps, but gulag was specifically the name of the Soviet ministry or agency that was in charge of administering these camps. And he called, he called it a gulag archipelago, as in it's like this network of islands, connected islands that are within Russia. Here's Russia or, you know, the Soviet Union or whatever, this geographical space, but within it, there's this entire other country that exists the gulags that most people kind of they may have some idea that exists but they they don't really know much about it and it may literally just be a few feet away from where they are behind this unmarked building behind this big fence that they don't know what it is but until the gate opens and they get pulled in there as a prisoner and the gate slams shut and they never see freedom again um and that that to me is the digital gulag the cyberspace reality that's being constructed around us that we're it's, it's there but it's not there it's right next to us but we don't see it mm -hmm. until suddenly we find ourselves imprisoned in it and we can't get out of it and uh, uh the one of the key things when you're reading that book that keeps coming back is this idea how we burned in the camps thinking about how easy or how not easy, but at least we could have, when they were coming for us, we could have kicked up a fight. We could have done something. We could have just picked up pokers and whatever we had to hand and fought and ambushed these security operatives that were coming to take us into the digital or into the prison, into the gulags. Well, 
it's the exact same thing in this situation we're in now. It would have been so easy 20, 30 years ago to start putting the brakes on this technology and where this infrastructure was going. Now it's getting more and more difficult. In the future, sure. it will be well nigh impossible. The bars are coming down on this prison already. And as I say at the end of the article, you know, I'm off to create an account at the post office. What choice do I have? I right. mean, really, what choice do I have? Do I want to continue sending DVDs to people around the world? Well, yeah. So what do I do? I mean, I can't, I can't do it myself. I can't fly the plane and <laughs> deliver them by hand. I'm not, I'm not Father Christmas here. Right. What am I going to do? I have to, now I guess I have to, I have to start an account at the post office. I mean, I guess I can, yeah, I can start some sort of lawsuit and, you know, sue the J Japan post and everything. We'll see how far that gets. Mm. But honestly, what are the, what are our options? And the, those options become more and more limited the further we get into this digital gulag system. Right. And what I, you know, I had maybe more a hopeful impression of that where, you know, and you make a good point to think about it that way though, that we should have been doing something 30 years ago, but I was, you know, looking at it more hopeful in the idea that like right now is that time and we need to act because well, in the future we still is. Yeah. But as I'm saying, it's getting harder and harder. And I don't yeah. want to be Pollyanna-ish about this because, you know, I don't want to just be, hey, rah, rah team, we can do this. No, it's getting more and more and more difficult and it's going to involve real sacrifice and real warfare. I mean, there was one thing that really jumped out at me um, from Solzhenitsyn was when he said that, uh, uh, I want to get the exact quote because um, uh, a person who is not inwardly prepared for the use of violence against him is always weaker than the person committing the violence. Uh -huh. And that was one of the lessons that they learned when, I mean, after they got thrown in the gulags is that these people, I mean, so many people are get, get got taken away by the secret police where I'm innocent, I didn't do anything. So, okay, whatever, they'll lead me away and I'll get my day in court and I'll get to say before a judge, you know, no, I'm innocent, don't worry. And they'll clear it all up and then I'll get out and it'll all be over. All of those people got put in and it didn't matter if you were innocent. They, it didn't matter what you were charged with. It didn't matter if they even ever told you what you were charged with. The point is you physically got put in the gulag and you likely didn't get out. Huh. And that's the point of this. It's not, it, we, we with kind and innocent hearts think, oh, but I have nothing to worry about. You know, I'm not a bad guy, so whatever. I'll just, I'll create my accounts. I'll do, I'll do what I have to. Oh, you want a thumb scan now or whatever? Okay, I'll do it because I'm innocent. It's okay. Until you realize, oh, it's not about that. It is literally a control system. It is a prison that they have placed us in and we can't get out even if we wanted to. Yeah, it's a great point that I often point out that Caitlin Johnstone, at least I first saw her make this, that, that you know, you can at least argue that inherently most people are good because that's why they try to pretend that they're good, because they at least think that we want good. You know, so it just shows you that they, they pretend that we're fighting for freedom and liberty because we ultimately want a government that's doing those things, you know, and so it shows you that they're just at least, you know, aggressively trying to give us what we think we want. We just need to recognize they're not doing that at all. Yeah, and it, exactly. It, no, I really want to stress that. I want to underline that because that's the point I often go back to. One is that they wouldn't propagandize us so much if what we thought didn't wasn't important. And two, they wouldn't be coming after outlets like yours and like mine if what we were saying had no effect, if it totally didn't matter at all. Of course it matters. That is exactly why they come after voices like ours. That's exactly why they spend billions, maybe trillions in the aggregate uh, of dollars trying to get into your mind and influence the way you are thinking and what you're doing. Because the only thing that can actually change the world is people having a real understanding of what's going on and resisting the thing that they don't want and creating the thing that they want. That is our power and it is still our power, but for how long? Until right. those digital bars get uh, slotted into place. Right, which is the whole point of today. It's the message of today. You know, and I, I want to highlight something else that you wrote in here that from uh, Bill Blunden uh, from uh, Internet Honey Traps for Everyone. And this, this speaks to the whole Patreon discussion, right? And what this is talking about is how it's kind of an illusion of what we think we have if all of it is if all of it is on, on online if it's digital and as it says if you have a movement that depends heavily upon a digital platform you don't have a movement what you've actually got is a honeypot that wittingly or, un, or otherwise will snare those drawn into it in the end all of that data traverses a maze of interconnected pipes which are centrally monitored and controlled by you know who and this is the whole idea of the patreon thing this is what i this is what i felt when this all happened right is that whether or not is actually that it was meant to be this way, 
it is that it is now. And we need to ask whether or not that whole thing was set, set up in the way where we would put all of our eggs in that basket and they can then pull the cord, you know? And so going forward, we need to think about something like that, about where this is being driven and how we're able to exist around that or in it, if that's all that's there, you know? So it's, it's an, and what are your thoughts on that? And, and go ahead. Absolutely. Yes. And that's part of what I want with driving into this censorship rather than trying to twist mm -hmm. myself into pretzel knots to try to avoid it. Don't worry, I'll conform, I'll do whatever. No, 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 that's not the point. The point is to go headlong into this so that people know and understand what is really happening. Right. And I mean that at the most fundamental infrastructural architectural level of this. Because if we are congregating in centralized platforms in places where this can be done, well, that's the point. That is the problem. And so when we go to from one centralized controlled architecture to another centralized controlled architecture, but don't worry, guys, the good guys are running this centralized controlled architecture. We are just recreating the exact same thing that got us into the, the problem that we're in in the first place. And actually, I must admit, even I continually get surprised at just how just how bad things are, at least in the state of people's awareness of these issues, because um, a few weeks ago, in fact, the last Solutions Watch to be posted to my main YouTube channel before I got um, uh, suspended for two weeks, uh, was about really simple syndication, RSS, which mm -hmm. uh, well, before I posted that, I actually questioned whether, should I even be posting this? Of course, everyone knows about RSS, like this is the most basic part of the internet, but I was flabbergasted to see how many people were like, ah, I've heard of RSS, I'd seen mm. that symbol, I just never bothered to look into it, but actually it looks kind of useful. <laughs> and that actually blew my mind a little bit because yeah, I now I understand why people s flock towards say social media platforms where I can follow, follow this right. account and I can follow this account so that then I can go to that social media platform to see what they have to say every day. And I, I realize, oh yeah, it's because people don't know about something like RSS, a completely decentralized way of being able to follow many people. You don't have to have Apple or Google or any other co corporation in the middle. You just directly subscribe to their RSS feed and you get it directly from them every single day. And you can sort it and filter it and do whatever you want with it. You have complete control over that feed. Of course, that is exactly why most people don't know about RSS. They don't want to promote that. Mm -hmm. That was why Aaron Swartz and the people right. like that were so excited about that a couple of decades ago. Hey, this is the real opportunity of the internet. This is what we can do with this. And that's why then you get the Facebooks and the Twitters and all of these platforms coming along to centralize everyone again. Don't let them know about simple, absolutely basically simple things like RSS that it would take you five minutes to, to understand and start to implement. No, no, no. Sign up for an account with us and trust us. We'll steward this information for you. Honest. <laughs> <laughs> See, the, our, the interesting comment on that, when I was first starting my website, uh, and this is right about, you know, I, I don't know, just generally maybe 10 plus years ago, it was interesting that RSS feed as I went into it was kind of like, oh, that's old and no one uses it anymore. And so as somebody knew, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to look like I'm outdated. And so that's the point is they drive yeah. you in these centralized usable yeah. things. And that's what it, it, you, you've gone so far into this topic about peer to peer economy mm. or, and this, it, these are possible. Actually. But yeah. On that note, actually it's interesting because uh, when I first started, uh, first started the site or a very long time ago, anyway, um, I, I had signed up uh, with FeedBurner, which was a convenient tool for getting people on board with RSS because the first time you go to RSS and you get an XML page and it's just right. code and you're like, what on earth do I do with this? I don't know, it looks complicated. I'll just sign up for Twitter, it's easier. Um, but uh, so FeedBurner was this service that you click on the link and instead of getting that XML code, you get this page and it has different options, how to subscribe and things like this. So I was like, oh, okay, that's a nice way to onboard people on, onto my RSS feed. So I signed up with that service. But of course, I think it was, I don't know, several years ago now, it got taken over by Google. <laughs> so FeedBurner, which was not only my RSS feed, but it was also serving out my email newsletter update, was <laughs> taken over by Google. And so for a long time, I had, I was still using FeedBurner, but it, you know, at the bottom of my email updates, it said, you know, powered by Google and stuff like this. And people were, would call me out on that, rightfully so. Like, why are, why are you doing using a Google service? And I'm like, well, it, was, it wasn't a Google service. It got taken over. Uh, so of course, now I have gone the extra effort. Okay, I'm de-googling. I'm getting rid of FeedBurner. Um, 
and and one of the interesting things about that was why did Google take over FeedBurner? It's interesting because they never updated a thing. They let it right. sit there and rot. In fact, yeah. to the point where it was literally breaking the HTTPS, the secure socket layer on my website because they didn't have HTTPS. They still don't have HTTPS implemented for FeedBurner. So if you got a FeedBurner link on your site, it is breaking your security encryption and it's giving people error messages or warnings like this site may, may be an attacker because you're using FeedBurner. They took over a very, very valuable service, a service that actually did something for people and helped them use RSS. And they uh, intentionally left it to rot and break because they don't want people knowing or using these types of simple tools. Oh, that's, that's outdated. That's a thing of the past. That's exactly why they're doing that. That's really telling, actually, because I remember this whole switch over with, you know, basically making it that HTTP, if it wasn't HTTPS, if you didn't have an SSL certificate, all of a sudden you weren't good. You know, and, and of course, they chose not to do it with their product. What does that tell you? They yeah. wanted to drive it into the ground. That's a choice. Yeah. And, this, yeah. and this is one of the ways in which they take over these other side, whether it's com competition or whatever, you know, just bring them in and just absorb it and use it how for what they will. And this, you know, kind of speaks to that larger gulag that's being built by these centralized powers just like that. And, and this this brings me to something that you've also written quite a bit about, and this idea of technocracy and what it means and what's and you know how, how what it ultimately is that's driving this machine, this major agenda. And this is something that you've been covering for quite a long time. So how do you see the general concept of this? Is this the driving force of what's happening in your opinion right now? I mean, because you've talked a lot about the eugenics concept of it as well and the crossover. So right now, in your opinion, with what's happening with this, the digital gulag and how it's being all built, is that just all under the guise of technology or is this a technocratic kind of revolution that's happening right now, in your opinion? Yeah, uh, it definitely is a technocratic revolution or evolution, I guess, depending right. how you look at it. It's interesting because I, I think back to when I first put out the um, Why Big Oil Conquered the World documentary, and someone asked me for sort of the uh, the three sentence too long didn't read, you know, what is the overarching story of this? That's a hard one to do for that documentary. It's 90 minute documentary and the 60 minute one before that. Um, so uh, the one that I, I came up with, um, I wish I had the exact formulation, but it was something like, um, the controls, the control structure of the the 19th century was eugenics. The control structure of the 20th century was carbon eugenics, and the control structure of the 21st century is technocratic eugenics. And I think it is the same thing because fundamentally, eugenics. What I think that is is a justification. It's not even. It's not a good one. It obviously is is garbage, but it's a justification for a ruling class. Mm -hmm. And you have different iterations of that in different eras. So back in the day, people could believe that they're Tyrants literally were gods. Right. You know, Ra, the sun god, is is our god. He literally is a god on earth. Eventually that gets a bit, well, you know, maybe they're not going to fall for that. So, no, no, no. God has appointed our family to rule over you, the divine right. right of kings. We have the right to rule. And eventually people start to get some questions about that. Okay, okay, that's not working so well. Oh, we're, we're coming into the scientific age, the enlightenment, rational thought, all of this. Okay, now... Well, there's a rational reason why we deserve to rule over you. It's because our, our, well, our genes is as we would say now, but when eugenics was first being invented, they didn't even know about genetics. So it wasn't framed in that way. It was uh, uh, the superior stock or whatever, but our, our, our genes make us fit to rule over you. But then even that, you know, uh, well, that didn't quite work out so well. And people started to see the, the compulsory sterilization and and then compulsory euthanasia and other things that uh, got a little bit mm, tarnished. So we got to switch that. OK, now what's it about? Um, now it's about now it's about saving the earth. And we love the earth. We all love the earth. Obviously, we live on the earth. So we love the earth more than anyone else. So we're going to take over the earth and all of its resources and steward over them in your name. That's what it's about. It's the United Nations. It's the World Health Organization. It's, it's all these wonderful international institutions that will monopolize resources and key areas around the globe and make them... Of course, free, free range, green, whatever, slap whatever label you want on it. It's it's all for good. And oh, by the way, by the way, we're doing side deals with our 
crony corporations to come in and, you know, scrape out all the resources and extract them for their purposes. Don't worry about that, guys. It's all for the earth. It's all for Mother Nature. It's all to keep the air clean. And eventually, that if that starts to wear off, of course, the next stage of this is the technocratic vision of the future. And and what what possible rationale could they have for trying to eventually merge us all with the machines, nanobots, uh, change over our DNA, all of this? Why would anyone go for this? Well, well, you're an icky biological being shedding all these viruses and all these contagious right. toxins all over the place. You're a horrible biological being. Wouldn't it be so much nicer if you were just silicon and electrons flowing around circuits? That's the future, man. So um, I, I do see it as an interconnected agenda. And I think that is fundamentally what is, uh, I don't know if that's, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want the causal relation the wrong way around, but I think that's why biosecurity is being latched onto as the convenient justification for ushering us into the technocratic age. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a really excellent, I mean, it, it's very easy to see what you just described, right? For uh, that's, uh, that's a good portion right there for people to see. So on the eugenics aspect then in regard to COVID, I do want to actually ask you about nanotechnology, but in regard to COVID-19 broadly right now, what were the parts that stand out to you as like, well, that seems like a eugenics concept to this? Because I have a few things that I pointed out, but I was curious if anything stood out to you in that way. Uh, well, as people may have known, I did I did talk to Whitney about her article and the, all the very interesting eugenics connections to the people associated with the Oxford AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca Which she was just sent for, by the way, on Patreon. That was the example they used. Now that we have seven countries have said it's dangerous, but she's still censored. Anyway, continue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. Um, so uh, uh, there's clearly an aspect to that that um, uh, who are who are, who will be the first people in line for this vaccine? We have to do this fairly, guys. We'll give it to all the underprivileged groups that we've always historically cared so much about. We've always shown our love for the poor, uh, you know, children in developing countries. Uh, we always give them our best medical interventions, right? So <laughs> let's give them the vaccines first. You can be first in line for this. So I think there is an aspect of that in there. But more broadly speaking, I see this as kind of the end of humanity, the creation of transhumanity. That is ultimately where this is going. And uh, that is going to take the form of genetic modification and nanobots and all the rest of it as ultimately, I mean, I think there are different layers of this. And there are the people who are pushing this agenda who genuinely believe in it and genuinely believe we're going to upload our consciousness to these robot beings that are going to go out and populate this, the heavens kind of thing. <laughs> but more realistically, I think it is essentially, this is perfect cattle control for the would-be cattle ranchers of the global plantation, we're going to make sure that literally we're going to design the type of serfs that we want uh, on our plantation that will do the dirty work for us. And then we can perfectly control and perfectly turn uh, the cattle on and off. You, th I mean, even if the idea of resisting this somehow came into the heads of one of these controlled devices, essentially, we could just turn it off. And that is the, the vision of the future from the controller's perspective. I know that will sound utterly, absolutely outrageous to people who have only ever looked at mainstream information from the mainstream approved CNN, New York Times, Washington Post range of uh, opinion. Even then, you do see bits of this being reported here and there, but you actually have to have two brain cells to rub together to connect various stories that are reported here and there. Uh, to see that bigger agenda, but it's all there. And it's especially there in the white papers and documents that yourself and, and myself go over regularly in the work that we do, but you have to actually be looking for it at that point. Right, well, here's an obvious example, and it's not exactly the same thing, but it's the same concept. Vaccine passports are obviously now very real. Like we can't, even though weirdly enough, there's still people arguing their fake news on Twitter. I keep finding them and going, I can't believe that's still happening. I mean, people still argue geoengineering is fake and they're openly doing that today. But it, what they're doing with that whole concept is clearly saying, well, you can't engage with these parts of society until you take this on. Now we already talked about how they've already talked about the profusa implantable biosensor and that's already being made by DARPA and being funded by Wellcome Trust and Bill and Melinda Gates. But that's fake news, right? The point is it's exactly what you just described, right? It's a step and you have to take it to be able to be involved. And you know, it's it is the first step to normalize us with these things. Yes.
And and what we are living through right now is precedent setting in every possible way. I, 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 every aspect of this, I don't necessarily think that this, what is happening right in this moment is it per se, capital I, it. I think this is the precedent. They are laying the infrastructure and making sure that there is the compliance amongst the public and that they point out the people who aren't complying and make examples of them to show people, if you don't comply, this is what will happen. Because I don't think it's necessarily this iteration of this particular scamdemic that is the problem. It's the next or the next next or the next 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 where they further and further further ensconce us in this idea. So you, yes, it is compliance testing in every way right now. Can we make the public believe that their freedoms come from government say so? You have the card, you have the, the pass, you have the whatever. We allow you to participate in society because we have screened you and found you to be worthy. And that is that's that's at the fundamental level. That's what's happening right now. People are being conditioned to accept that the government can de deem you worthy or unworthy, and all the rest is just you know is just icing to topping on top of that. You know what particular flavor? Oh, it's biosecurity. Oh, it's because you might have a virus or whatever. That's not important. Fundamentally, what's happening is a, a, a rewriting of people's fundamental understanding of what their freedom is and where it comes from, and it only comes from a government giving you a certain pass, and that isn't even. Like they're not even trying to hide that at this point. I just right. saw an article the other day um, uh, from some whatever CBS affiliate in Los Angeles or whatever it was, some local station. But uh, I was just reading through the article and it was flat out saying that your vaccination card is now your ticket to freedom. So right. be very careful with it and make sure you have, you know, photocopy it, scan it, make sure you have it on your, a picture of it on your phone, because this is your ticket to freedom. You will not have freedom without this vaccination card and they're they're not even trying to hide it yeah i've seen people calling it a freedom pass just like the free you know patriot act and it's just so insulting to our intelligence they you know oh it's all about you know and this is not even new kind of speaking to your idea about the evolution of this same thing due, through different times is they've been trying to undermine you know the constitution oh it's an archaic old document and you know for a really long time and that's the same ideas they want to make it seem like it's ultimately them and not inherent rights. It's now, well, they get to do it. And that was a big point that was made in this beginning part of it, right? The whole joke about the founding fathers going and all right, you know, all right, you know, inherit rights, except when there's a virus, you know, like the joke that we kept seeing in the meme. And it's very logical and, and it makes sense to see that, that they are applying a, a caveat to this where there never was before. And they've always been trying to do that, but this is when they said it's happening and we're doing it today. You know, it's it's alarming. But speaking to the the nanotechnology aspect of it, I see this popping up quite a bit in this discussion for and I've been doing a lot of like background research to see how long this goes back. I mean, I've seen examples of very highly respected, educated people in this field in giving a speech in 2011 and arguing and saying in 2004, they had the, the what they called the um chip that was, I think, a fourth the size of a grain of salt. And it's, it was smart dust. And that's what, that's what he called it all the way back then. Think about what we possibly have now. But oddly, seeing a lot of this discussion from the all of a sudden new nanotechnology discussions going, look at this small nanobot we have. And it's like, really? Like, they must know that we can look this stuff up. So what's your thought on how this is going, seeing as how we have lipid nanoparticles inside of vaccines today, or excuse me, in experimental injections? Do you see the nanotechnology being a central part in how that goes? Or is that just me over-focusing on what this is? Because I'm very concerned about it. Uh, I don't know to what extent that particular technology is the central, but it is absolutely a part of it. And uh, you're exactly right. I, uh, I'm i trying to recall the reference. I know Smart Dust specifically was referenced. I want to say by DARPA. I don't think it was IARPA. And I, yeah, I seem to recall 2004 as being sort of when they were talking about it. And I want to say, I think it was the head of DARPA at the time. And I want to say it was connected to the Admiral Poindexter, who was running the... Uh, uh, Total Information Awareness Office, of course, a convicted Iran-Contra felon who got pardoned, of course, um, yes. who ended up in the Information Awareness Office, which was, if people might remember, that insignia, which was the uh, the all-seeing yeah. eye radiating the Earth. And when they put that out, people, you know, there was even in the New York Times and places, they were going, this is a bit much. And so they're like, oh, sorry, we're, we're totally scrapping that program. It's totally gone, guys. Trust us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And of course... You know, and then years later, it comes out, you know, actually, the NSA is spying on everything. <gasps> wow, I never would have thought it. Perfect. I'm glad it's not 
that has now been officially approved, so we we don't have to deride people as conspiracy theory for saying it. Um, so and I, I, I so I don't have the exact reference, but absolutely, smart dust has been talked about for decades now as where this is going and the type of technology they're working on. And as I always point out, whatever technology is um, being revealed to the public is decades behind. Right. It, it, it always has been. But people always think we are living in that special pocket of history where what we know is exactly as far as technology exists and nothing further. <laughs> there could be nothing in the skunk works of the Pentagon that we don't know about, right? Yeah. Um, which, I mean, this is where it starts to get really, what do you do about it? If there is some sort of, you know, whatever, they're spraying some sort of smart dust on people that is per pervading your body. That's the kind of thing where I don't even know where to begin how do you resist that? Like, what do you even, do you even know that's happening? And how do you know? And um, I, that's where it, it, you really start to lose the plot, which is why, again, it would have been better to put the brakes on this 30 years ago, but right. still better today than 30 years from now. Right. And you, I believe this is where that was a thought that was first from your work that I picked up on the idea that it's and historically speaking, it's absolutely provable. I mean, you look back and they, we, these new things were introducing. And then you look back later and it's like, oh, well, they had that 20 years before that they were right. using for military technology. But the SR one, like a 50 year old plane is still the fastest, still yeah. the highest that's ever been. <laughs> What's that X-12 space plane they keep sending up for years at a time? Ah, don't worry about that kind of whatever. Don't worry about what's happening. Guys. It's, it's really incredible how obvious it is if you just don't you know want to look at th this is something i point out from 2002 a government document and it's 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 you can look it up on wikipedia it's the u.s government and it's converging technologies for improving human performance and this was reported even by mainstream at the time by art they were they wanted to alter evolution in 20 but in 20 years we, they would alter evolution using nanotechnology and i also point out to uh uh klaus schwab Claiming this, you know, actually, I, I think I actually have that right here. I, there we go. Check this out. What the fourth industrial revolution will lead to is a fusion of our physical, our digital, and our biological identities. So you could hear that, correct? Yes. Yeah. So he, so he, and you, I'm sure you've seen it already. So he's arguing for those that haven't seen it that we're going to do exactly what this was saying we were going to do in 2002. And what I think is so alarming is that they're stating in 20 years, which is you know we're what half a year away from that now, right? <laughs> that they would be doing what is arguably what the conspiracy theorists are concerned they're doing, and they state it in the document, right? So it's like that. That's where I kind of feel this is going with this combination, and it leads right into your con the concept of tech, you know, uh, transhumanism, technocracy, you know, the blending of these things like he's talking about, and this this is really unnerving to me like the whole process of him stating it publicly and we can go look at that you're a conspiracy theorist <laughs> it's, just, it's it's crazy to me how where we are right now but that's you know this is where go ahead yeah no i'm just i'm completely agreeing with you this is completely an open conspiracy i mean the extent to which it's already operational and what the specific operations are and how it's being implemented obviously is behind 17 layers of secrecy but the the overall agenda is or at least a big chunk of it is right there and they do talk about it and then you talk about it and you're called a conspiracy theorist and you're taken off various platforms for daring to mouth the words but yeah it's it's there we know where this is going they really do want to end humanity and that was actually something that i covered on uh, uh propaganda watch last year back when propaganda watch was a thing looking forward to the end of humanity which was the title of a an op-ed in the wall street journal i think it was um, but essentially talking about, you know, there's this thing called transhumanism and some people want to, da, 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 it's coming out generally, uh, if you've been reading the, those kinds of white papers, the things that you're pointing to, which I think I might've gotten from Aaron Franz, Transistor Radio, who uh, did a, he did a documentary that I'm going to forget the name of off the top of my head, but look it up. Uh, it was a very good documentary from 2007 or eight, I want to say a long time ago, talking about exactly this kind of stuff, looking at exactly those kinds of reports. But um, so it, you don't you you can't claim that this sort of thing was just well no one could have seen it coming yeah yeah we could have they were openly talking about it and here we are uh, right yeah. on schedule Funny nobody how that could works. have seen predicted planes flying into buildings we always hear that kind of yeah. thing you know nobody could have seen this coming but you know to to wrap it up today I mean I, it definitely 
it blows me away, as I said in the beginning, somebody like yourself that has been calling this. And I'm not just like this vague outline, like you have been laying this out for a really long time. And it's incredible that we not only can actually see it happening the way you described it and you're still getting censored, but that you'll cite and source material today, which kind of brings full Speaking of which, but... let me cite my source. The Age of Transitions was the name of that documentary. I suggest people go and look it up even just to see I think it was from 2008, uh, in that time frame anyway, just go and look at what was already being talked about. And, mm -hmm. and he was laying out with documents and so citing his sources, you know, over a decade ago. And at the time, of course, outlandish science fiction kind of stuff. And all, all of it is, is right in your face right now. Right. And so the question to be asked then is, was he actually wrong at the time and they weren't doing it and he just happened to happen now? Or was he really calling it and they knew it and they called him a conspiracy theorist? Right. I think I think history of this country alone shows us that that's likely the case. I say, no, we're not spying on the NSA. No, we're not putting lithium in your, or, or, uh, fluoride in your water. No, we're not putting, you know, it's like and every time it's like, oh, it looks like the guy who said we were crazy was the one that knew it was happening. <laughs> what do you know? But it, it, it ultimately brings us to the inevitable point we're at right now, where clearly we see that this is happening. And I think arguably a lot, maybe the majority recognize that we're not in a good place right now, at the very least that we should be doing something about this. So what what should people do, James? I mean, obviously there's a thousand things, but I know you're always very solutions focused. So give yeah. people that say, I don't give them enough, what should they do? Well, I would suggest that they follow my Solutions Watch series. Actually, uh, the first thing, uh, I have a Solutions tag on the corner uh, or on the sidebar of CorbettReport.com, and there's a search by uh, tag cloud, and uh, Solutions will be in there. Just click that, and you'll find literally hundreds of reports that I've done over the years on various aspects of Solutions, because, of course, I, I hope people realize there is no one silver bullet to end all of this. So here it is, and here's how we... No, I mean, it's a million things, and it can be something super, super basically simple, like learning about RSS. It's just one tiny, silly little thing you can learn about in five or 10 minutes, but that can truly transform the way that you are doing things online. But then the next step is, well, okay, so what is that in purpose for? What am I actually doing? Why am I spending time online? And so there's there's addressing those aspects of it. How do you, so, okay, so how do you invest, for example, outside of the controlled monetary paradigm? How will you transact? with people when every transaction has to go through your smartphone and has to be approved by the government, well, we're gonna need some kind of survival currency. Uh, how are you gonna get food in, in times of mass food disruption when the supermarket's suddenly running out? There, I mean, there's, there's no end, as you know, there's a million different aspects to what a solution is and what it can be. So I have started in 2021, this is the year of the people's reset. Uh, this, is, this is my aspirational goal for this year. So I've started a, a series called Solutions Watch every single week or at least more weeks than not, I'm looking at different things, talking to different people, looking at simple little things like RSS that you can implement right now, looking at big ideas, big movements, and what can we do and exploring that in every way possible. And I'm I'm not prejudging it or thinking I have it all, you know, this is it and this is the way to do it. I think there are a million different ideas out there and I want to explore as many of them as I can. And Hopefully, I, my idea is never that there's a one size fits all for everyone. Of course not. Everyone has their own situation, their own context. I mean, just for starters, I'm in Japan. So, you know, what is applicable to me might not be applicable to someone in the US or whatever. But uh, I think we need to get the conversation going and get the conversation focused on that. Um, because after I am really, I truly am sympathetic to people who are just starting to find out about this. But yeah wow, do you have a task in front of you? Because not only do you have to jump in at the deep end of all of this, but you have to s swim right away because there is no time to sink. Um, I was lucky enough, I guess, to fall down the proverbial rabbit hole in 2006, where in retrospect, oh, tons of time to sort of get your feet and start to understand and try and go down this wrong path. No, 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 maybe this path. But there is no time for that anymore. We are looking at the end of humanity. They, in their own words, I'm not saying that. So I'm very sympathetic to that. But after 14 years of doing this uh, type of work and research and putting this out there, I am just no longer interested in documenting every single detail of what they are doing to us. Right. I think the central question, driving force of everything that people who are aware of this agenda right now should be is, well, okay, this is a data point. 
what does that mean in terms of what I can do with that data? What, what, how does that affect what I should actually be doing in my life? So that's what I'm trying to do. I'm doing it at Solutions Watch. I hope other people in the independent media will, will also help uh, in this work because I certainly don't have all the answers myself. I don't think anyone does, but I think we can. We can crowdsource this. We can do what we've been doing in terms of putting together the pieces of this complicated agenda for decades now. I mean, obviously, I'm standing on the shoulders of giants who've done incredible research, and there's all sorts of people who are informing the work that I'm doing, and I'm informing their work. It's a collective effort in so many different ways. I think we need to apply that energy towards not just understanding what they are doing, but what we can proactively do for ourselves. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more. I think it comes down, <clears throat> excuse me, to just time to take action, right? And I've never been somebody to advocate for violence. I def I've always thinking that historically speaking, and just in general, violence begets violence. I think we need to think of a different way to go forward. But the moral of the story is it's time to take action. We are in what they, what's become known as a bulletless war. And that's what we need to realize is it's already happening, right? Yes, it's yes, that's the mindset. We are already at war. Why stand we here idle? The war is uh, already engaged. The war has already begun. Uh, absolutely. And until people really experience that, and I will direct people to a, a video I did last year on um, questions for Corbett about um, what will World War III look like, in which I make the fundamental point, we are in World War III and it is not between the big superpowers. It's not some China versus the US or whatever garbage they're trying to sell you right now. It is all about the people in control of this system versus you. And by you, I mean all of us, everyone who's listening to this conversation is one of us, broadly speaking, because there's the 99.9999999% of humanity and the 0.00001%. And they are trying to truly control the entire grand chessboard, as they like to call it. And they will use whatever means are necessary. And they are counting on your compliance. You're, oh, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'll just go along. I'll tailor what I'm saying or whatever. We have to understand that. So I'll go back to that Solzhenitsyn quote. A person who is not inwardly prepared for the use of violence against him is always weaker than the person committing the violence. They are prepared. They are not just prepared. They are using violence, uh, economic violence and other violence against you right now. They are shutting the doors on this prison. Do not go lightly. Do not just, oh, okay, I'll, I'll sort it out later. I'll do what they want. If we take that attitude, and unless and until we really understand that violence is being waged, war is being waged against us right now, until we viscerally feel that, nothing's going to change. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's it, This is literally the time of revolution. And we need to realize that it's happening around us or just like the example we started with. We will look back 30 years later and go, man, I wish I would have taken action when Ryan Corbett said we should, right? So it's time to take action. So thank you so much for joining today, Corbett. And I'm sure we will connect again in the near future. Um, as always, everybody out there, please question literally everything, including what we're talking about and come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.